I uh, uh, yeah, I was sitting. I was on Easter Island, which just has like the internet abilities of Easter Island are not very good. Like, there's basically two spots on the internet on the island that are like public Wi-Fi zones. You just kind of like walk by them and cross your fingers. <laughs> there's not like clouds above because seriously, it's a place where if it's cloudy, you might just not just get internet, right? And, yeah, I mean, I'm guessing that the big Moai statues are probably not looking for a lot of. 4K download anytime soon. No, no. Um, if someone could make like an internet cafe, that would be great. But anyway, so I'm sitting there on a bench and um, just like checking my email at like 11.30 a, a, uh, or p.m. I've been out all day. I'm exhausted all my way home. I check my email and there's an email from Phil. And Phil's like, hey, can you say Ravnica Allegiance a bunch of times into, into a recording and send it to me? <laughs> And I'm just sitting there, <laughs> and I'm on this bench. And I'm like, well, there's no way I can, like, go somewhere else and record. I just have to do it right here. So it's, like, 1130 at night. There's a few people around me because it's the only place to use Wi-Fi. You could have said no. And I'm just, no, no, that, that's that's no option, Chief. The show must go on. And so I'm just sitting there on this bench, like, <laughs> with my phone out recording, saying Ravnica Allegiance into my phone over and over and over again to get a cut that's good enough for Phil. And everyone is just looking at me like I'm uh, a nutter. It was, it was great. It was really great. Enough of that. We actually have a show to get to. All right. It. All right. Let's do uh, it. <laughs> I'm Shivam Putt. I'm Phil DeLuca. <laughs> Are you, though? Are you, though? Oh, man. And we are Commander. <laughs> Legally distinct commander. <laughs> oh my good gracious. Thanks for listening, everybody. We put a spotlight of community issues, but never, ever, ever talk about three banned topics. Religion, politics, and Hearthstone. Really, we should add technically probably Magic Arena on there, but realistically speaking, we're probably gonna talk about Arena because Arena's great. Shivam. Yeah. I I want to start off with a very important topic that I think will make all of our li- listeners' lives much better. Oh, if I, I've determined my number. So I say a lot of goofy things trying to make people laugh, as do you, I'm sure. Right. Um, you know, I try and be the funny guy and some jokes land and some jokes don't land. And you kind of get a get a good <laughs> sense for like what works. And that's the same is true for phrases. And I got to say my the highest hit rate of like any phrase I say is legally distinct. Like, whenever you just take any dumb sentence and put legally distinct on it, and it's just really, really funny. And I, I can't, is this like, is law funny? No. But like, I guess avoiding copyright infringement is. So if you're just like, yeah, this is a legally distinct Shiva bot, it's just funny. I don't know why it's so funny. It's like, this is a legally distinct molecule. Like, I don't know. It's just really funny. So, all you listeners out there, there's a tip. If you want to impress your your significant other or your people in your class or something, just call something legally distinct. They'll laugh at it. Yeah, well, because the, the funny thing about legally distinct is that it's always like the least possible thing you can change but to be different. So it's always like, this is Nikki Mouse. It's a legally distinct mouse entity. <laughs> See, I'm laughing. I'm laughing right now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> right? This is... It's like only just like, it's like, Almost, but not quite. It's like Gav Mandarin is a legally distinct commander. <laughs> I'm telling you, listeners, you've got you have endless material right here. It's like a pineapple, just so good for comedy. Well, you know, 
That's why we go to Mavnica, the city of Phil's, yeah. where my co-host Phil is right now. He is one of the 10 Phil's on Mavnica. I believe he is a part of the Bimir, <laughs> or the Morose. That's what they are. Really sad soldiers. <laughs> the Morose. You know what that is? You know what that is, Shivam? What? Legally distinct. Amen to that. See, it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. You were at <laughs> home. You are like... I just don't understand where she was going with this. But then as soon as I said, as soon as I said legally distinct, you were, you were probably cracking up. This is one of those things that we can just get into a really bad loop of just giggling a lot. But I have to do some plugs. Folks, share this podcast with your friends. If you like what we do and you want us to keep doing it, the best way you can help us is by listening and then getting other people to listen. Either here on wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube where you can watch our podcasts and videos. And if you watch them all the way to the end, it helps the YouTube algorithm. Or, simply enough, when you hear somebody talking about Commander, hey, have you heard about the podcast Commanderin? It's a really cool podcast with a couple of dudes who talk about Commander a lot. And that way, they'll listen to it too. And the more people who listen, the better off we are of continuing to do this show. Now, if you want to help us materially, you can either go to commanderin.com forward slash donations, commanderinmtg.com forward slash donations, or you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash commander at MTG, and you can chip in a buck a show, a couple of bucks a show, whatever you want, and that helps us pay for our hosting fees and our editing fees and keeps us going. It keeps the lights on in Podcastia. Now, one thing you guys might not know about is that we have a Discord community. We've moved off the old Facebook community that we had because Phil and I were a little bit unhappy with the way kind of Facebook chat is. And since everybody else had moved to Discord, we decided we would jump ship to there too. So our Discord community is really cool. It's thriving. There's a lot of channels. People talk pretty regularly. And you guys are welcome to join in. And if you're a patron of the show, you can get into these special rooms, which are denoted by patronage status. We interact with those rooms a lot more. But generally speaking, I interact with every room because I hate having unread notifications. And I love talking to listeners. So... Feel free to join in, donate, chip in a buck a show, whatever you need to do, and we are more than happy for you to sit and listen to us. Well, I gotta get I gotta get into this Discord. Yeah, dude, it's great. It's really just I I just discovered starting to use Discord actually instead of just for recording, but to actually chat with. And it turns out there's a whole lot of magic communities on there, like we were the last podcast to jump on. But it's great, and I'm glad that everybody's able to migrate with us, and it's been a lot of fun. But we're not here to talk about our patrons or about, you know, legally distinct patrons, the the matrons of the show. <laughs> no, we're here because Gavin and I just participated in one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do, the pre-pre-release for Ravnica Allegiance. Pre-pre-release. It's seriously one of, the, uh, like, three or four content creators get called up to join a Watsi person and the kind folks at Loading Ready Run up in Victoria, Canada, and we get to play Magic with a brand new set for like three days, two weeks before anybody else does. And I tell you guys right now, it is one of the single coolest weekends I've ever had in my life. And I was completely honored and like over the moon with glee the whole friggin' weekend. It was seriously just one of the most wonderful experiences I've ever had. And so I thought, you know what? But while it's still fresh in our heads, I figured I would give a call to my dear friend, Watsi's own Gavin Verhey, to join us to sit and talk about what we did, what we learned from that set, and what we can use in Commander. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, I imagine it must feel a little Shivam like 
when you're in AAA baseball or something, and so and the guy calls you and wanting to come up to the big leagues, or it's like, hey, you know what? Come on up. We'll show you around. You'll play on the big team. And it's like that is really cool. Like you know, it's an amazing, it's an amazing experience. Well, I was trying to explain to my mom and my like mother-in-law what I was doing, and the analogy I used was this is like the all-star game. It's like when you're a content creator and you've been doing really good over the year and stuff, you get rewarded by getting pulled up to one of these amazing pre-pre-releases where you get to sit there, you know, plug your show, play in an exhibition, and just feel really great about yourself. It reminds me a bit of the Community Cup yes. almost, where it's like, hey, a bunch of people, they're just playing to have fun. Yeah, there's winners and losers, but really, it's just all for fun and to show stuff off. And I love it. I always love the Community Cup, and I had a great time too. I mean, I've been trying to come up to the PPR for a while and i mean i've been on the docket rather to come up for a while and i've just always had scheduling conflicts of some kind or another yeah this is your first one too wasn't it yeah yeah i mean i've i mean i was supposed to come up for battle bond and then i uh, was at scg con that weekend and i was supposed to do guilds of ravnica anyway the, the list goes on um so i was super glad <laughs> i was finally able to, to make it up for this one now now Shivam, why don't we recap exactly what the ppr is for people who haven't watched it or all eight hours of the video content that was created for it so basically, the PPR, or the pre-pre-release, is a full eight-hour-long stream that is done by the folks at Loading Ready Run up in Victoria, Canada. We get to go up to their studio. So it was myself, Gavin, Limited Resources, Marshall Sutcliffe, and Magic Mike's cast, Aaron Campbell, both of whom are friends of mine from you know Twitter and stuff, but who I didn't actually know really well in person, but we were, we've always been friends. And so it was super cool that like three people that I basically really knew we're going to be the guests up there with me. We already had chemistry going in. And obviously, I've been friends with the folks at Loading Running Run for a while. So there was no awkwardness. It was just like being among your friends for a weekend. And so what happens is we fly up there and we pick a deck, a sealed deck from the forthcoming Ravnica Allegiance set with our guild pack and all that. We build up our brand new decks. And then on the Friday, we sit there and we play eight rounds of sealed pre-release so basically the guests against each other and then the loading ready run folks against each other and then guests versus loading ready run we interact with chat we have a good time and then we go home after a while and i was able to also record an episode of tap tap concede we recorded a deck tech all of us jumped on a impromptu stream the day before which was absolutely hilarious and worth your time to go check out and frankly it was just a vacation that was amazing yeah i mean, I mean imagine hanging out with a bunch of really funny friends playing Magic for four days. And you kind of have the pre-pre-release. In, like, one of the most beautiful places I've been to. Yeah. Oh, Victoria is great. If anyone of you listeners have a chance to go up, Victoria is a wonderful... I mean, I've been up there many times living in Seattle. And it's a wonderful, wonderful, like, just weekend hangout spot. It's not like there's a ton, a ton, a ton to do. But there's a few really good sites. It's incredibly walkable. Like, if you're in the city center, you can walk around at least the main area of Victoria. Now, granted, Victoria is much larger as an island. It'll take many hours to drive across it. But the city center is incredibly walkable. You can just go up there, take a seaplane or whatever, drive up, you know, just spend a weekend hanging out. And it's a great area. Yeah, the flight from Vancouver to Victoria is, like, literally 10 minutes. Yeah. It's, like, six minutes going up, four minutes going down. It's crazy. There's, a, there's a, fa- a ferry across as well, which is adorable. So basically for me, what it ended up being was on Wednesday, I flew up and it was good that I went on Wednesday because it was like delayed many times because of fog and rain and stuff here in San Francisco, there in Vancouver. We flew up there. I got to meet with Serge from Loading Radio Run, who is the judge of the event. And he took me out and we went to like a chicken wing place that also did vegan tofu chicken wings. And it was like 
it was fun to just hang out, chill, chat and stuff. And then Thursday morning, we pick up Gavin from his seaplane and Marshall from his ferry. And after breakfast, we headed back to the uh, Loading Red Run Moon Base where we got to pick our decks. And I picked Simic because I love, I mean, everybody knows me as being like Mr. Boros, Mr. Slazian tokens and stuff. But the other thing I love is moving dice around and also just playing green, blue, mega ramp into crazy things. So I was super excited to give that a try. And what did you end up picking, Gavin? I picked Azorius because bureaucracy is cool. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, I've always loved playing blue. And actually, there's a number of guilds in the set that I love, though. I mean, Orzhov totally aligns with my play style. I love Azorius. Simic, blue-green is one of my favorite color combinations. So there's, uh, there's a ton of stuff in here that speaks to me. And I would have happily picked anything. In fact, I even asked other people there. I'll take whatever's left over. And they kindly said, no, 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 you're our guest. Get what you want. And, well, I took Azorius. Yeah, like, it ended up so, like, Marshall sits down and he picks Azorius because, obviously, he's going to pick the control colors. Come on. And then Adam from LRR picked Gruul. Both Graham and Cameron from LRR picked Orzov. And I was interested in Orzov because the uh, afterlife mechanic looked really cool. And I loved playing Orzov in Gatecrash. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll do Orzov. But then I saw that nobody was picking in the green guilds, and obviously my big complaint with Ravnica, I mean, with Guild of Ravnica, was that green sucked. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I better put my money where my mouth is, because like both Kathleen and Aaron picked Rectos, and that left that there was nobody playing Simic. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna pick Simic. Yeah, well, let's not leave Simic out in the cold. I mean, please. Well, yeah, I was like, I was getting a little offended on the behalf of my guild. I was like, come on, man. I mean, I kind of wanted to play Gruul because turning things sideways is definitely my jam. But but Simic and Adapt looks so cool. So I was super excited. And it turned out to be fantastic. Like, so that day we sat and we built decks out. And my promo ended up being Biomancer's Familiar, which is the one green and one blue. So for two converted monocost, two, two which says activated abilities of creatures you control cost two less to activate and tap the next time target creature adapts this turn, it adapts as though it had no one, one counters because the adaptability, as we all know is pay some amount of mana, add X amount of one, one counters on it. And you can only do this if the creature has no one, ones on it because there are cards that let you remove one, one counters, but with biomancer familiar, you can adapt again and it turned out both the discount plus the readaptation is incredibly powerful. It was stupid how good that ended up being. Well, and there's like, yeah, a couple of big things going on here. One, it's just an efficient creature. It's a two mana two two, which while I get is not breaking any size records, is in limited totally solid. You can put it down on turn two and everything gets rolling. And then it makes all of your activated abilities cost two less. So you, your adapt is two less, but also all your like guild mage activations and all that stuff, just a little bit cheaper. Yeah, when I figured that one out, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, it goes a long way. And it turns out that this card, I have a feeling, is going to be a real all-star in Commander because we have a lot of activated abilities. And, like, first off, a lot of the adapt creatures are just super good anyways, and I would play about a handful of them in Commander. But being able to discount all of your activated abilities, especially in green-blue, seems absurd. Anyways, the green and blue have a ton of activated abilities, and... In the PPR, I was able to use this plus Aeromunculus, which is just a 2-3 beater that has Adapt 1, and a bunch of my other Adapt guys, and just get them super big and just hammer in. It was delightful. But the thing that made me really happy is I was able to get two cards into play that would have normally been like, oh, these are just four mana enchantments to do nothing. 
One of them was my preview card, Wilderness Reclamation, which is like, you know, untap all of your lands at the end of your turn, which turned out to be actually as awesome as I thought it would be when we did the preview. Because if you're green, blue, and you tap out on your turn to play something huge or to adapt, at the end of your turn, being able to untap and go to their turn with like your counter spell open or your instant draw spell or mana to adapt your guy again, that's insane. That is just incredibly powerful. And then I also had a rare enchantment that I had never heard of before because we hadn't seen the full set release yet either. Uh, and it was this enchantment called Guardian Project, which is three and a green, which says whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, if it doesn't have the same name as another creature you control or a creature in your graveyard, draw a card. Now, in Commander... This seems like it would be a home run because, of course, you're not going to have another creature with the same name or a creature card in your graveyard with the same name. But also, in Limited, it turns out, you're almost never going to have duplicates either. And being able to draw a card every time you play a creature is bonkers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the kind of thing where your your opponent taps four mana, they put it down, you're like, well, you didn't impact the board at all. But over the course of a game you're just going to get so much advantage out of it. And yeah, you know, when you draw one card off of it, you've just broken even, whatever. Two cards, it's just worse than divination. But then your opponent's up three cards, four cards, five cards. And you know, a funny thing about drawing more cards is you're going to find more creatures in those cards that you're drawing. So this card can get really out of control. Yeah, I nearly decked myself in that game. I was playing a game against Graham's Orzov deck, and it went for almost 50 minutes. And we basically were down to like the bottom of our libraries. And of course, the bottom three cards of my libraries were a draw four, a draw four, and a land, which is not really going to help me win the game. But it was amazing. And also, when to clarify for a moment, when Shivam says we were down to the bottoms of our libraries, Shivam had three cards in his library and Graham had like 18. And that's because of Guardian Project. <laughs> so that card did a lot of work. That was super powerful. Yeah. It was a lot of work. It was super strong and it lived and it just kept providing value. And eventually it got to the point where grandma's like, should I be trying to mill you out? And I'm like, oh, damn, this is not going to end well for me. But it was amazing. That card was so good. Yeah. And once again, you know, actually in our, in design, it actually started as looking at creature types. So whenever you played a creature, if, if it has a creature type that another creature doesn't have, you drew a card or something like that. But we, we made this tweak, so it's just such a great fit for Commander, because in Commander, you're not going to duplicate up, and I imagine this is going to be a like, green deck staple. Like, four mana, whenever you play a creature, draw a card, is really nice. Oh, yeah. This is going into every possible deck that I can put it into. It just seems really, really dumb. I think, actually, the card I was thinking of was Prime Speaker Zagana from Gatecrash or Ravnica or whatever it was, because that's the one that had, like, a ton of evolved counters and everything going on. Yeah, Gatecrash was the first that I worked on at Wizards, actually. So it was, it, it was super cool to kind of get to touch Simic back then and get to work on it and, and help bring it to life. And now it's another chance to work on it and play with it here and kind of see it evolve, pun slightly intended. Okay, so here's a question for you. What do you think about new Simic versus Gatecrash Simic? Like, Gatecrash Simic was really cool with the evolve mechanic that I was a big fan of, you know, Lots of dice moving around. Do you think these two synergize well? You know, absolutely. Simic has always had this through line of plus one, plus one counters. And whether you're doing grafting or evolving or adapting, there are counters everywhere. And as a result, you have all these cards that care about your plus one, plus one counters. And so it's cool that you can actually play like all three Ravnica sets together and get those kind of synergies. And in fact, shameless-ish plug, with the guild kits, you'll, with the Simic guild kit, you'll have the chance to do some of just that. I Okay, so I love the guild kits. 
I was lucky enough to bring out all the basic lands from the guild kits to use in my deck. And holy crap, it just uplifted the experience so much because first off, those lands are gorgeous. And it just felt Ravnica, right? Like everything felt really, really legitimate. It was really cool. Yeah, everyone loved them. It was it was great. As opposed to your uh, passel of insanity with your one of every kind of land. Oh, yeah. I just grabbed as many mismatched land box lands as I could find because, you know, you got to have style and everyone styles in different ways. I mean, it made me happy. I don't know about the rest of them, but it made me happy. <laughs> oh, man, that was crazy sauce. But, no, the other card I wanted to talk about that ended up being a real overperformer for me was this thing that I hadn't even heard of called Chillbringer, which is four and a blue for a 3-3 three, three flyer, which is already in my phantom monster territory. I'm all about that life. When it comes to the battlefield, tap target creature opponent controls that doesn't untap during their next untap phase. Frostlinks, one of the best secret, like secret best cards from that core set. And it turns out tapping down a creature and freezing it for a turn, really, really powerful. Like, I love this card. I mean, I don't know if it's got a lot of utility for commander because it only hits one creature, but man, in limited is that a beast. Yeah, you know, it's, and evasion is always good. Just it's nice to be able to have a flyer that gets through, you gum up the ground and... You know, attacking, buy a little bit of time, tap their guy, get a 3-3 flyer. It's nothing fancy, but get the job done. Yeah, so, like, overall, like, I lost both of my games because in the first game I played against Erin Campbell, she had this Mardu deck because, you know, Mardu is definitely one of the guilds in (laughs) Ravnica, which was based around... I I believe you mean Borzov, my friend. Yeah, Borzov. It was, okay, like, it was a deck after my own heart, let's be real here. Her Rakdos deck had a card which said it was the 2-3 haste that let you come into play, and during your upkeep, you can sacrifice a creature, and if you do, it does two damage to target opponent or something to that effect. And she had Hero of Precinct 1, which is a creature that says whenever you play a multicolored spell, get a 1-1 human token. So literally every turn, she was making a human and throwing it into the fires and just pinging me for two. Now, I don't know if you've ever played against Sulfuric Vortex, Gavin, but that card destroys you really, really quickly. Yeah, Sulfuric Vortex is a beating, and this is a 2-2 for 2 with haste on top of that. Yeah, it turns out when you build your own Sulfuric Vortex, it still sucks. (laughs) And so that game, I wasn't going to win. But my game against Gram's Orzov deck, I won one of them, and I lost the other one because he had an enchantment that we're going to talk about a little bit later, which is just back-breaking. But overall, Simic is amazing. Like, I am so excited to build this, and a lot of these cards actually seem to work really well in Brawl and Commander. I remember that when we were talking about Brawl initially, you said, yeah, the next Ravnica set's probably going to have a lot of things for Brawl in it. And uh, you're right, man. This feels really, really good for a Brawl set. Yeah, I mean, I mean now we're hitting a kind of stretch where we really knew about Brawl, we were really designing for Brawl, so there's a lot of not only just good legendary creatures for Brawl in these sets, and Commander too, but there's also just a lot of cards that slot and do important roles in Brawl, where, yeah, in Commander you've got plenty of redundancy, you don't need this stuff, but in Brawl, like, sometimes some of these effects just don't exist, and it's really important to give you those build-arounds. For example, you know, a card like the Guardian Project that you mentioned is like, that is going to be awesome in Brawl. Like, you slam that down, that's going to be a green staple. It's like, in a commander deck, 
it's very good. I think I said earlier it's a staple, but you are fighting with a ton of other magic cards. You have inertia of 25 years of magic history to, to deal with there, where in Brawl, like it's easy to get that into your Brawl deck. So there's a lot of uh, gap fillers that I think will do good work here. Yeah, one of the things I was talking about when somebody was like, man, you talk about Brawl way too much. And I'm like, Brawl to me feels a lot like Commander did when I first got into Commander. Like I have a limited card pool. I don't have any like must-have staples in my deck. It's just whatever you want, whatever you've got out handy out of this small pool, shove it into your deck and make it work. And it's just like that kind of restriction feels real good to build with again. And because then you can find real neat tricks that you were not expecting, just like synergies you don't expect. Like this morning, I brewed together a Muldrotha deck featuring both Rat Colony and the Persistent Petitioners from uh, the new Ravnica set. Nice. I made those guys. Yeah. Any number of these things. Tap four advisors to mill like 12 cards or something absurd like that. And I'm just like, holy crap, I can either just slam you at rats or mill you out. And it just feels like it's going to be a real ridiculous deck to build. Like if you make some green card that says you can have any number of this in your deck, then I will be able to make the perfect Muldrotha deck. <laughs> like somebody introduced me to this enchantment from the original Ravnica that was in red and in green and black that said, if you play a creature, take any number of creatures from your graveyard that have that same name and put them into play, which is normally an unplayable card in Commander. But it turns out if you have Relentless Rats and Rat Colonies and Persistent Petitioners and you mill the hell out of them into your graveyard, you can bring, let's say, 35 of them into play, which is pretty absurd. I believe Blood Bond March is the card that you're looking for. Yeah. And I was just like, this is, I've never heard of this card because obviously I'm a Commander player. Why would I ever think of it? But wow, wow, this is going to be stupid and fun. And then you finally have a use for Thrumming Stone in Commander. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you to play with all those weird, weird cards that don't normally get a home in Commander. Yeah, but that's enough about Simic. What about you, Gavin? You got to play Azorius. Can you tell us a little bit about what you found? Yeah, so I played Azorius, and of course Azorius, all about control and there's a few different ways you can actually the my deck was all about control but there's a few different ways you can spin it you, there's always the blue white kind of flyers tempo game and there's a lot there to make that kind of deck work ways to pump up your flyers ways to get flying tokens and then just ways to go up the ground you know there's a a one four flyer that can gain vigilance for three mana there are ground pounders while your flyers get in in the air and in my deck that's exactly the game plan i was going for i was not about the, the tempo game plan i was about the slow grindy long control game plan and so basically i played a bunch of mediocre creatures and then drew a bunch of cards and there's no better feeling in magic so i had cards like dovin's acuity which this was kind of a build around for my deck where it's a three mana enchantment when it comes into play you gain two life and draw a card but when you play an instant during your main phase which is what addendum wants you to do anyway addendum being the azorius mechanic where if you cast it during your main phase and they're all instant speed cards if you cast them during your main phase you get a bonus so if you addendum a spell or simply just play any instant during your main phase, it comes back to your hand. Sort of like a disinformation campaign. Right. Like so this it, is like information campaign. It's the, the opposite version. Right. So it's just, yeah, you, you know, draw some cards, gain some life, play a spell, draw some cards, gain some life. It's great. Turns out incidental life gain is pretty absurd, too. And then, <laughs> um, you know, my purely stamped card was Precognitive Perception, which is five mana, draw three cards, instant. Uh, that's Jace's Ingenuity, which is already a high pick and limited. And then it has Addendum, which if you cast it during your main phase, which you could do pretty easily, you scry three first, which is crazy. Scry three, draw three. Totally down with me. So. Now, the interesting thing about precognitive perception is that I had this as one of the rares in my pool as well. 
And with wilderness reclamation, turns out precognitive perception is insane. Because guess what? If I pay five mana on my turn to draw three cards, normally that would be like, oops, I've tapped out. Okay, my shields are down. Do what you got to do. But hey, guess what? At the end of my turn, I untap all my lands, which suddenly means at the beginning of your turn, I've got a full group of cards and untapped mana. It was crazy. And I know that I loved it. And I know this is commander and not limited resources, but just a fun little design thing we do for a second is that um, we try and make sure that if you're playing three colors in Ravnica set, there's fun synergies you can build in there. And so you, if you take any guild and you look at the neighboring guild that might pair with, in this case, Simic and Azorius, you know, being the, the blue-white-green color pair, we wanted to make sure that blue and white had a f- some fun cards to play with with green, and that's actually part of where that card came from. Untapping all your lens at the end of your turn is awesome with Addendum because you play it during your main phase, then you dr- pass your opponent, all your mana is untapped, you can adapt your creatures, so there's some really fun synergies there. Or if you're playing white-blue-black, for example, all the cards that pump your flyers are really great with afterlife so there's just some really good synergies happening there which is super nice yeah there's a whole bunch of cards that give all of your flyers like plus oh plus one or plus one plus oh or something to that effect and yeah they seem to make your like all of your random little one one like afterlife spirits and i realized as i was looking at the set to try to think about things to do for brawl and commander that there are a whole bunch of random spirit lords and the last ravnica set that just came out that suddenly synergized incredibly well with all these Orzhov cards. And I was like, aha, I see what you did there. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we we set stuff up. Yeah, but so... And yeah, Precognitive Perception is actually such a great card. And there's no better feeling than having a full group of cards and untapped mana. Yeah, I don't know I don't know about winning games, but I definitely won the draw more cards game. And that's what really counts. Yeah, and the thing that was interesting to me is because I remember your deck was a little bit of a... A train wreck, not quite, but it was, and yeah. yeah, you still held your own really, really well. Yeah, my my pool was was pretty weak, but you know, uh, you just try and outdraw your opponent and hopefully get to do stuff with it. And I had some great games, great games, regardless. Yeah, it felt like the game you were playing against Marshall felt a little bit like a commander game because I remember I was able to run back to the hotel, come back, and it was still game one, and your life totals were like sixty three or something like. It was silly. We'll talk about Commander. It felt like I mean, you had a Commander-ish game where you were like adapting and, you know, untapping your lands. Oh, my God. My game was so Commander. But, you know, speaking of Commander, how about some of your favorite cards in the set for Commander? Yeah. So the thing is, like, one of the things about the pre-release is that we were just sitting there and we had all these cards in hand. And we could sit and look and think about what we wanted to do with them. And the surprising thing to me was that Orzov had a ton of cards that, to me, feel like they would be amazing Commander cards. Like, for instance, uh, Tesa Karlov, the newest version of the uh, Orsov commander, who is a 2 white black for a 2-4, that says if a creature dying causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, it happens a second time. So, panharmonicon for death triggers, and creature tokens you control have vigilance and lifelink. That's cute trinket text because all the Orsov cards make spirit creatures, but the idea of having something triggering when you die. So... My favorite Brawl deck in the Commander deck that I'm working on right now is with Alenda, the Duskarose from Rix, from uh, Rivals of Ixalan, who is like, when creatures die or something, you put a plus one, plus one counter on her. And then when she dies, you get a vampire for each plus one, plus one counter that's on her. So if you've got her and she dies and you've got Tesa in play, suddenly you have 2x the number of lifelinking vampire tokens. And if you're playing with lifelinking vampire tokens and you just happen to have oh, I don't know, the Crested Sun Mare that was in Amonkhet, suddenly you've got a whole million horses. Or Resplendent Archangel that was in Core 19, you've got a bunch of angels in play. And there's a whole lot of things that key off of life gain that will trigger off of that as well with all these life-linking things. 
And of course, the white enchantment that came out last set that says whenever a token comes into play, it becomes an angel, a 4-4 angel instead of your afterlifey token. Right, angelic visitation, yeah. Like, I was looking at that, I'm like, holy crap, with all these Orzov afterlifers living around and running around, you pop one of these things, and instead of a 1-1, you get a 4-4? That's insane. And then with Tesa, all your 4-4s are suddenly 4-4 Vigilant Lifelink. And you got two of them. So you've got that, like, there's like a 2-drop Orzov card that has, like, Afterlife 1. So it's a 2-1, and when it dies, it turns into a 1-1 spirit. But if it dies, and you've got Tesa in play, you get two 1-1s. And if it's that, and you've got Dawn of Hope in play, it's two 4-4s who are Vigilant Lifelink. That is the kind of world I want to live in, Gavin. Did you know, just, I'm just going to spew fun facts because that's what I'm here for, really. Did you know that Angelic Visitation uh, was originally for rhinos? It made 4-4, four, four, it was green and made 4-4 four, four rhino tokens. <laughs> yeah. It, what? That would have been amazing, but that would have been silly. It was called Uh-Oh Rhino. And uh, okay. I don't know, it's just what it did. Then we're like, you know what's better than rhinos? Angels. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, it, and it became white. And of course, once we had locked down the afterlife mechanic, it made a lot more sense because it would synergize so well with it. Yeah, because as a white tokens player, I am all about being able to make a ton of angels coming out of nowhere. So I'm glad <laughs> that you changed it. And that card also incidentally lets you have extra card draw, which is real nice in white. And I know that like Rosewater really hates it, which means it's exactly the kind of card that Boros needs. So, or was that the one that gives you, or no, there's the other one where like a creature comes to play, you gain life. And then when you gain life, you can pay mana and draw a card or something like that. Right. Dawn of Hope is it lets you make more than one tokens with lifelink. Whenever you gain life, you can pay two mana and draw a card. That's the one. I love that card. That card and both of those cards went straight into my Boros deck. But I'm going to build an Eilie Commander deck in honor of our lost co-host, Sean. And I'm going to put Tesa in there and I'm going to put Alenda in there because Orzov just got it, the biggest boost it's had in forever. But you know really why? Because the bomb that Graham got in his deck. Oh, yeah. Ethereal Absolution. The four black-white enchantment. Or what they call it? El-Ishnorn? Ish, yeah. <laughs> this, Emphasis on the ish. <laughs> this card is bananas. I don't know how you printed it, but I guess cards are allowed to be amazing. Because creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Creatures your opponent control get minus one, minus one. That's already backbreaking. <laughs> but there's more. Two, a black and a white exile target card from their graveyard. If it was a creature, you make a one, one white and black spirit creature, right? So I can exile stuff from your graveyard at instant speed, which in commander is already amazing. But all my guys get buffed. All your guys get unbuffed. That's amazing. Put them together on an enchantment, which is already kind of a hard card to remove. and now I'm just looking at you like, what do you want from me? Like, this card is dumb. Yeah, the card is really, really powerful. Yeah, no, I love this thing. I think it's going to be amazing. I think if you're playing an Orzov deck or a Mardu deck or, I don't know, any deck that's got black and white in it, like, I would put this into my uh, Brea deck even just because making all of your Thopters incidentally more powerful seems really good to me. And then, of course, being able to make those tokens is no small matter either. Like, there's going to be tons of cards running around in graveyards in Commander. Might as well get some tokens out of it. Yeah, and especially if people are going to be milling cards into their yard, there's a lot of creatures in your yard. There's a lot of things that come back or like, ooh, I killed your Sun Titan, and I don't want you to reanimate it, so I'm going to just off it right now and turn it into a 1-1 Spirit. That seems like a real big benefit to me, especially after, like, Wrath. It seems just like a really just great thing you could be doing. But the card that excited me most out of the white cards was Smothering Tide, which is an enchantment for three and a white, which says when an opponent draws a card, 
that player may pay to. If they don't, you get a treasure token. That's basically Rhystic Studies, except for Mana Ramp, and White needs Mana Ramp, and also just having random artifacts sit around is super useful for any number of reasons. Also great in Brea type decks or other Artifact Matters decks, SRAM type of decks. I don't know. This card seems like it does a whole lot of things that I was not expecting to see. Yeah, and you know, one thing we've noticed in Magic R&D is that we know White is underpowered in Commander. and we're, I mean, it's not that it's like unplayable or anything, but just that it's, it's missing a lot of the tools other Commander decks need because Commander is kind of defined by drawing cards and ramping mana, and White can really do neither efficiently. So um, we've been trying to find new avenues for it, and this is a that we made specifically to try and help that problem. So stay tuned in upcoming sets as we continue to make some new cards that help out White and Commander. Yeah, so did you guys test this out in Commander or did you like run into resistance inside when you were doing this? Because I know that like White's not really supposed to get Mono Ramp, but this one feels like, I mean, it feels like a tax, which is a very White thing to do. But also like the Ristic cards were not White, right? They were blue. So I'm just curious, like, how did this, how did this card come out, come about? Do you know? Well, you know, first of all, the Ristic was, was kind of all over the place, actually, in masks. Like, everyone oh, got a little it? bit of Ristic. Yeah. Ristic Study, of course, is maybe the, the, the most famously known one. But, you know, Ristic Lightning and Ristic Tutor, and they're all over the place. White can tax their opponent. And this was actually, it was a contentious card. We talked about it for a long time, but ultimately decided that, you know, we thought it would be a good fit for Commander. White can tax your opponent. You never ramp mana if your opponent doesn't want to. And also importantly, it's not permanent mana ramp, right? You, it is gold that you get, or treasure, rather, that you get temporarily. So, And it feels really nice and in theme for Orzhov. It's a really flavorful card. You're kind of taxing them, and if they don't pay, yeah. you get you get mana for it. So we let it roll this time, and we've got a few other ways to cut corners when it comes to the rules of what White can and can't do to make it better in Commander in upcoming sets. Yeah, I look forward to trying this one out. I'm really excited to see it. Because I think it's going to really help the decks that I run, especially. Because it just seems like a neat way to give White a bit more fixing without having to rely on land tax all the time. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to give it a try and see what it actually does. Moving on. Oh, yeah. Hydroid Crisis. The Simic Mythic for X of Blue and Green. You put this on here, Gavin. You want to read it out? Yeah, I think this card is just totally sweet. It's X Blue Green for a zero zero, And you're like... But wait, why would I pay for a zero zero? Well, let me tell you about this jellyfish hydra beast. <laughs> when you cast this spell, you gain half X life and draw half X cards where you round down each time. So if you play it for X is two, you simply draw a card to gain a life. But if you pay six mana, you draw two cards to gain two life. And it comes into play with plus one plus one counters on it equal to the X. So if you were to pay six mana for it, you would draw two cards, gain two life, and get a 4-4 four, four flyer, which is a pretty saucy deal. A 4-4 four, four trampling flyer. Yeah, uh, yeah. to top it all off, I was about to say, it tramples and flies as well. So that's just a sweet card. I think it's going to show it up, up, up in Commander. It's a way to spout your mana. It draws you a bunch of cards, gives you a big creature. It's like, you know, what, what more do you want to do with your 15 land you're going to end up with? With, you know yeah this thing seems completely absurd like i love this card i think it'll be super exciting i think the only thing you could have done to make it better would have been give it flash and i feel like that would have been broken so but yeah it's like this card feels like it's going to be so much fun to play with because of just getting a ton of counters on it and if you happen to have doubling okay so here's a question though oh no it doesn't really work with doubling season and friends because you still have to pay the x so but you can still pay the X and still get a gigantic creature, even though you're only still getting half X cards and drawing half X or gaining half X life and drawing half X cards. Right. It should it should still double up its size, 
when it comes into play. It, yeah, and that's still that's not nothing. Yeah, oh, certainly not. Yeah, and I think like if you're playing a Hydra tribal deck, this is going to be super fun. Actually, I don't know this this card just in, unto itself seems so flexible and so powerful, especially in a long game of Commander where you just drop it down eventually. And because it's a cast trigger, they can like counter the spell. Or, you know, your creature can die, and you will still gain half X life and draw half X cards. And that's huge. That becomes like a Sphinx's Revelation in blue-green. Yeah, not to be understated is that, right? It can be countered, and you still get the effect. You cannot shut this thing down. Are there cards that double cast triggers? I am trying to think right uh, now. I don't think there's any card that does that. Yeah, because if there were, it would be insane. Well, there is, speaking of doubling, <laughs> there's an enchantment that just came out that is going to be completely nutso. I think. Mirror March. For five and a red, whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, flip a coin until you lose a flip. So get those Quark's thumbs out because uh, they're going to need some help here. Each flip you win, you create a token that's a target of the copy of that target creature. And those tokens gain haste. Exile them at the beginning of the next end step. Wow. One of my favorite commander decks right now is Oquan and Zender Split. And this is such a, a, a perfect fit, oh, right? right? You, you've got your Krark's Thumbs. You've got these ways to manipulate your coin flips. You put this down. You oh, flip more coins. Uh, you get a ton of copies of creatures. I mean, I remember this card costs three for a while, if you can believe it, in uh, in our testing when it just was completely absurd. Three? Yeah. So we're like, well, we'll cost it up. We'll cost it up a bunch. It's still good at six mana. So, yeah, like, this must lead to some completely bonkers plays. Like, I'm just imagining you target If you get, like, a series of lucky flips, you can just get some gigantic bodies especially in gruel or something where you'd be playing this or in rakdos you just put out some gigantic things and just flood out and like slam them with these hasty creatures and if you have the riot enchantment then <laughs> you can go crazy wow of course creatures with etbs are awesome with this right because yes. they're gonna go away at the end of the turn but if you play i don't know a mull drifter well you copy it twice you've drawn four cards so it's pretty oh sweet oh my god <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a real sweet card. But coin flipping, man. Like, I'm just imagining how many coins you have. Uh, well, hopefully, you, if you get, like, two or three flips going your way, that's already, like, doing it, right? Like, that seems, like, really, really good. Hey, I'll, I'll settle for one in a lot of cases. Well, that's true, because it is an enchantment. It's You could do it every turn or every time you play a creature. Oh, my God. So, oh, oh, that's dumb. Oh, that's going to be real fun. Oh, man, I'm imagining things like ball lightning, and then suddenly you've got a whole horde of ball lightnings coming out and going slam, slam, slam. And keep in mind, it's whenever it enters the battlefield under your control, so you can do things like flicker your creatures and have it trigger this. Like, there's all kinds of synergies. Oh, wait, does this work with things like active treason? No, it does not work with active treason, but it does work with momentary blinks and flickers and all that mm. kind of stuff. So anything that makes it reset under your control, there's all kinds of <laughs> options for it. Deadeye Navigator in your uh, Zinder Split deck? Oh, yeah, jeez, don't get me started. Oh, my God, that's silly. Yeah, this is going to be real fun for people who like to play Chaos X. If you're blinking like an Itali... Well, I guess you can't because it's not like non it's not like Helm that lets you get non-legendary creatures. But I don't know. This is gonna be fun for Chaos X. Yeah, I like it a lot. Ah. I see that you've put one of my favorite legends from this set and like the most complicated build around, Nikaya of the Old Ways. Or, or the least complicated build around, depending on on your perspective. Just just gruel, just gruel them up, buddy. Gruel them up. Yeah, it's gonna be real great for intro decks to teach people with. For a five mana five five that says you can't cast non-creature spells. And whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana of any type that land produces. 
I had this in a sealed deck or in a draft that we played afterwards with our like all of our pile of cards or whatever. And this card is absurd. This card is really, really powerful because it turns out getting double the land and double the mana is always good. Even if you can't play non-creature spells, because, hey, guess what? Crater Hoof is not a non-creature spell. And there's a Crater Hoof in this set, which is pretty amazing, too. Man, Nikai is going to be real fun. Yeah, I, I, think it, I think it leads to an interesting challenge. And keep in mind, that there's a lot of creatures with great ETB effects that give you those spells. Like, all the evoke creatures still do stuff. There's tons of ETBs. Plus, you can still put plenty of non-creature spells in your Nakaya commander deck. Just, you can't cast her when, when she's on the battlefield, but... That's totally okay. You play them. You play your signets or your mana ramp ahead of time or whatever, and then you know she'll die. The way I always look at it is, it is like, hey, if my commander's in play. I'm probably doing some pretty cool stuff that I want to do, and if she's dead. I need to use my spells to recover. So, I mean, I would still focus on creatures, of course, but you can easily put some non-creatures in there without too much trouble. Yeah, I think I think Nikai is going to be really interesting to play, especially with there was in I think it was Oath of the Gatewatch, there was a green red pair of elves. That was the that was like the random legend in there that had landfall and let you do fun things. You mean Mina and Den? Yeah, Mina and Den, and I feel like they could work with this card pretty well. Because I was thinking about, I was trying to think, I'm like, what can we do with Nikaya that would be fun? Yeah, so Mina and Den let you play an additional land on each of your turns, and then you pay a green and red, return a land to your card, a, a land you control to its owner's hand, target creature gains trample. So yeah, it feels like being able to play extra lands. And then get double the mana off of them. Seems like a real good deal, you know? And with Angry Omnath, you could probably build a really fun red-green deck out of this. Actually, I want to build that deck now. That seems like it would be a really great time. Off to the races, Shivam. Off to the races. Oh my god, dude. I love it. It, You know, I think the beginning of a set is one of my favorite times of the year. Because that's when you're sitting there going like, Oh, look at all these cards I could build. Look at all these amazing decks I could do things with. We have one last set of cards to go with, and I think these are basically exemplary of that open-ended dream of actually being able to do crazy things. Like, for instance, Simic Ascendancy, the enchantment that lets you add 1-1 counters to any creature you control. And when you have, like, 20 or more 1-1 counters, well, let's see. Let me read the card, right? One green, blue, put a 1-1 counter on target creature control. That's enchantment. Already, that's fantastic. Because with doubling season, with hardening scales, you're just getting... Double the fun, tons of counters going around. I love counters. I'm all about that card. Whenever you put one or more plus one plus one counters on a creature, you put that many growth counters on Civic Ascendancy. At the beginning of your upkeep, if it has 20 or more growth counters, you win the game. So now here's the thing. When you're putting counters on this, with doubling season, it'll double those counters too. So if I put, let's say, two one one counters, if I put one 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 counter, I pay one green blue. So then I put two 1-1 one, one counters on the creature because doubling seeds doubles it. And then I put four growth counters on Simic Ascendancy. That seems like a really fast way to win the game. Yeah, I, this that one actually seems pretty easy to pull off in Commander, relatively speaking. It's a two-man enchantment. It's got its own utility. And there's lots of ways to just put masses of plus and plus one counters on your creature. You know, anything that like says, put a plus and plus one counter on each creature you control... We'll put a ton of counters on this. So this is one... Kathar's Crusade. Right, yeah, Kathar's Crusade, exactly. So this is one to keep an eye on, absolutely. Uh, yeah, what got me was actually the fact that it didn't say when you put one or more counters on it, put one growth counter on this. It said put that many growth counters. And that's when I realized that this was totally broken and absurd. Because <laughs> if you've got someone like, I don't know, Anafenza who's just putting counters all over the place, or you're playing like an Obzon deck, or I don't know, God, every color's got friggin' 1-1 one, one counters up the wazoo, 
This just seems ridiculous and super fun. Do you know why Simic got an ascendancy, but the other guilds didn't? Well, I think it, you know, it wasn't so much about Simic getting an ascendancy, but just this was an enchantment and we named it Simic Ascendancy. It wasn't ever part oh, okay. of a cycle or anything like that. Sure. Just, you know, that makes sense. put some words on a card. I don't know. I love this card. I think it's awesome. Some of our listeners feel that this is a little bit more of a win more card. Yes, it absolutely is a win more card. But you know what? This is the same format that we can put that green enchantment that just X win after you put 100 counters onto this or whatever. I think Simic Ascendancy is okay. It'll be fine. Well, and if you want a card that is not a win more card and is probably the most hyped card from the set for Commander right now, let's talk about Prime Speaker Vanifar for a second. Ah, uh, you mean Birthing Blob? <laughs> uh, is that, that is the nomenclature the kids are calling it these days, I am made to understand. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I love this card. I, I feel, because I, I was building a Birthing Pod deck, an Abzan Birthing Pod deck, just so I could do all the fun kind of kitchen finksy type combos with your angels and all restoration angels and all the all the things that you would expect from a siege rhino deck and i was totally getting ready to just build that and then suddenly prime speaker vanifar shows up and it's like oh well i guess i'm building a simic deck now yeah your dream has been answered (laughs) yeah so were you guys worried at all about printing a birthing pot on legs I mean, we definitely know there's a lot of power there, and we knew it would be be popular. But the one thing that it does help contain it is that it, unlike Birthing Pod, it's a creature, so it has summoning sickness, so it takes a turn to use. So that you have a whole mm. turn to interact with it. People can blow it up and destroy it, and whatever the case might be. It is still really strong, and I expect this to show up in a mini Commander games near you. But, um, yeah, I guess time will tell. Yeah, like, it feels to me like... The thing is, a lot of people were immediately like, oh my god, we got to ban it. It's going to be too powerful. But in Commander... Uh, First off, you're going to need to have your Lightning Greaves or something to give it haste so you can actually start using it. You need to have at least some, like, creature, other creature in play that you can start sacrificing to go up the chain. Uh, yeah, that's not too hard to do. But also, like, you need to have, like, Intruder Alarm already so that you can untap her and start going up the chain some more. And I just feel like by the time you've got all those cards in play, you're already doing so many insane things that Vanifar is just going to be another piece and not, like the straw that breaks the camel's back, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like she is going to be really good, but not game-ending. Like, I think it'll be really interesting to see where they put her. I think I want to put her in a deck. I don't know that I want to have her lead the deck, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah, like, she seemed really cool. I mean, I'm really excited. I love Birthing Pod. I wish it hadn't been banned in Modern, but what are you going to do? By banning it, you allow other decks to thrive. Powerful magic cards are powerful also. Yeah, it turns out Commander's full of powerful cards. But the final card we're going to talk about is actually one of my favorite arts in the set, (laughs) along with the Growth Spiral, which is my favorite art. But this one, Tome of the Guild Pack, a five-mana artifact that says whenever you cast a multicolored spell, draw a card, and then tap to add one mana of any color. Now, I know that a lot of us aren't looking for five-mana rocks that will tap for one, I mean, we do have Gilded Lotus for three. And by the way, guys, if you haven't picked up your Gilded Lotuses yet, they came out in Dominaria. They're probably not going to get reprinted anytime soon. I would go and get as many as you can because right now they're probably cheap and your EDH deck will thank you. You always want to have Gilded Lotus sitting around. But Tome of the Guild Pack. So, yeah, it's cool. You play a multicolor spell, you draw a card. What do you think about this card, Gavin? Uh, Well, I love it because... 
a lot of times you see whenever you you play a blah draw card, there's like a mana gate on it or stuff some kind, right? Like pay mm. one if you do draw a card or you know once per turn or whatever. This has no such restriction, and it's colorless. You can put it into any of your commander decks. So if you're playing a three, four, five color commander deck and your deck is jam packed full of multicolored cards, this is very easily just whenever you cast a spell, draw a card, which is bonkers. And yes. I think you will definitely want to keep a copy of this around to put into those kind of decks. Yeah, it seems it seems like if you're playing a three, four, or five color deck, this is going to be really, really right up your alley. And it actually seemed really fun. I don't know. This set feels to me secretly commander focused, even more than guilds did, which is weird because guilds had a lot of great cards, but they were great for like kind of one on one play, but not really for commander play. It feels like this one's got a lot more cards that say things like all opponents or say things like that feel more utility. Overall, I think I'm super excited for this. Going to the pre-pre-release was one of the greatest things I ever did. You guys can all check it out at youtube.com forward slash, I think, loading ready run. They've got the full eight hour pre-pre-release up there to go ahead and watch if you want to watch the replay. And you can see how these decks actually worked in person. And... I'm just blown away. This set is so much fun, Gavin. No, I'm glad you're enjoying it. And yeah, I had a great time at the pre-release. I had a great time working on the set. And I really hope everyone listening out there has a chance to go out and enjoy it. May I guess by the time you'll listen to this, you'll have played in your pre-release already. So hopefully you had a great time at the pre-release and let the brewing commence. Yeah, so this should come out right around set release. So let us know what your cool pulls are. Let us know if you've got any cool deck ideas out there. Because I think that there's a lot of really neat things that can come out of this. And make sure to play your forest, folks. This is the set that's going to let you do it. Phil is unfortunately lost in the deep, dark south. Hopefully he can find his way back if we if we ring enough bells and just dream hard enough. Maybe Phil will return to us someday. Or, or at least a legally distinct version of Phil. Yeah, a legally distinct. We'll call him Mill. Hopefully we'll get our new uh, co-host, Mill. And he will come back and life will be great again. Or maybe in about two episodes, you guys will hear from him one more time. But thanks for hanging out with us. And thank you, Gavin, for coming on with me such short notice. I know we're both tired from the PPR and getting back to work and everything. But it was real fun. It was fun to hang out with you the whole weekend. And it was fun to talk with you today. Yeah, it was a blast. And I have always got room in my life for a little bit of Commander. And I love coming on the show. And thank you all so much for listening. If you want to reach out, have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me. And I'm sure I'll be back in no time at all. I seem to rotate into this show about as often as Standard <laughs> rotates. Except, well, that's not even true. A lot's a lot quicker than that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you rotate in with every new limited format. Let's be real. Yeah. So I always have a blast. Thanks for having me on, Shivam. Yeah, and I look forward to whatever the new version of Battle Brawl or uh, Unstable or whatever the secret amazing set that we actually end up loving ends up being this year. I'm looking forward to finding out what that is. Oh, do we have some surprises for you? Let me tell you. Oh, yeah, man. I wish you could tell us, <laughs> but you can't. So instead, we're going to talk about the fact that Ravnica Allegiance is out, and it's great, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You can reach us by going to our website, commanderandmtg.com. Our email is cast at commanderandmtg.com. You can find us on all of the social medias by searching for Commander and MTG Podcast. Our theme song was created for the podcast by Nate Burgess. Our logo was created for the podcast by Mr. Picto with assistance from Kelly DeLuca. You can find more art from Mr. Picto by going to mrpicto.co.uk. We're also making a few changes behind the scenes. We want to thank Tyler Webb for helping us change hosting services for the podcast. Tyler and his friend Chris host the Unformatted Review Show. 
It's an unfiltered, rambling look at a different movie every week where the only rule is, there are no rules. I've listened to many of the episodes myself, and they're two good friends talking about movies. But be warned, they aren't family-friendly, so you probably don't want to play them around children or in stores like you do Commander in. Commander and MTG Podcast is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy. It has not been approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast. Copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Gavin, you want to take us up? Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. It's been great having you on Commandering. No matter what allegiance you have, I hope you enjoyed this show. Find the guild for you and have a blast. See you next time. Hey Phil, Gavin here. So as you may or may not know, I'm on Easter Island right now. And the thing about Easter Island is there's basically only a couple Wi-Fi spots and they're just in public areas on the center of the island. I don't have any in my hotel, for example. It doesn't exist. So I'm out here trying to record these for you, but you're going to get just some background audio because that's uh, the nature of the beast. So I'm going to do it a bunch of times and hopefully you get some nice quiet ones, but no guarantees, okay? Here we go. Ravnica Allegiance. Ravnica Allegiance. Ravnica Allegiance. Ravnica Allegiance? Ooh! Ravnica Allegiance. Ravnica The best part about this is I don't look like a crazy person to anybody just saying Ravnica Allegiance into my phone in a bunch in the center of a park because everyone's just speak Spanish and they're just like, oh, more weird foreign words. Could be, could be Russian. Who knows? Anyway, Ravnica Allegiance. Oh, there's a car. One second. Car passing. Aw, a public dog just sat down next to me. These are things that happen on Easter Island. It's pretty cool. All right, I'm going to let this car go by. Hope you're doing great. Internet here is real bad. Uh, Boop, 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 boop. Oh, man, it's so noisy here. All right, cars, pass, pass. And by cars, I mean like ATVs and motorbikes. Okay. Ravnica Allegiance. Ravnica Allegiance. Join the allegiance of Ravnica. Ravnica Allegiance. Well, come on down, y'all, to Ravnica Allegiance. The old RA. Ravnica Allegiance. 
Ravnica Allegiance. Ravnica Allegiance. All right, Phil, there's a bunch in there. Hopefully something there is workable. If not, like I said, let me know. I can try and get you one tomorrow, okay? Hope you're doing great. Bye.